You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Glenn Kochi, is best known as the drummer in the band Wilco, but he always has many interesting projects happening, and he is one of the most creative drummers of our time. I'm going to talk to Glenn today about what he has been up to, what he has going on into 2022, and how he finds the creative inspiration to make the sounds that work for all of his projects. So come along with me as I catch up with Glenn Kochi. Glenn, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to see you. Yeah, likewise. Absolutely. And look at that space. What is, what is that behind you? The uh, the orange. That was a, uh, actually a, a birthday gift from my um, longtime duo partner, Darren Gray, who I've had that duo on Fillmore with for 20 some years. Mm-hmm. I think they're just like uh, colored abalone shells, but uh, he got or abalone sound pretty good very nice they're a little unwieldy so they usually stay here but i've got smaller sets of abalone shells too of course you do the last local (laughs) record don't tell the guys (laughs) (laughs) i love it though i was you know i mean it looks like art behind you but i was positive that it made some really nice sounds so yeah Thank you for uh, for demonstrating that. Yeah, That's most very things cool. in here can be, uh, yeah, our sound makers, right? Yeah. Of course, and everything can be a sound maker. We're going to jump into uh, into that conversation for sure. Um, but tell us how you've been over the past, you know, year and a half, almost two years now through the pandemic and everything. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly well. Um, you know, we were. I was sequestered with my family for most of the pandemic and the band wasn't active. Um, And so I was able to just really soak in that family time and practice for the first time in years, in in a lot of years. And I always define that as being different from from preparing because Mm -hmm. I would always have something right around the corner, a new collaboration or a new recording or something happening that I was always, when I would play, I would be preparing for what's coming up next as opposed to what happened over the pandemic, which was like free playing and actually opening up books again and like, hey, let me try this out, let me try this. And just working on, you know, following my my gut, my instinct and interests and trying different things. Um, but luckily we all stayed healthy and then Wilco started to get active again. Um, well, mostly I think in December, um, Jeff, our singer, um, Jeff Tweedy, he started writing new tunes and he just made a challenge to himself to write a tune a day and, and send it to us. So mm-hmm. all of December and part of January, I think there ended up being over 50. Um, we'd get, you know, every night there'd be a text um, or every morning with a new song in it. And so whoever had time that day would open it up on their own personal gear and maybe add some overdubs, just demo stuff um, mm-hmm. and ideas. And then we got together a few times, me and him, both live in Chicago. So I got together several times with him and we've been demoing that material and recording, actually making the recordings. And then guys have come in one at a time, um, our bandmates to, you know, lay things down, but we really wanted to do this one as a, as a band too. So we do have 
now a couple um, sessions booked for the late winter, spring, where everyone will be in town together to record. But besides that, we also started hitting the road again. So we were gone all of August on tour, half of September and all of October on tour. Wow. Um, finishing all dates that had been booked for to 2020 originally. So, you know, making up all those dates. Um, and yeah. And what else? I'm continuing. Oh, well, yeah. The On Film Award, my duo I mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, got final mix for our new record next week on that. And I was also um, lucky enough in that little break in July before Delta hit, um, I went over to Finland where Darren is living now. Um, and I, I made up a festival from last year where I was playing my solo pieces and some of my string quartets were getting performed. Um, and that was a beautiful time. But we got three days in the studio um, with uh, Yona Trevoma. So she's a friend of mine from I met in Finland. And, amazing singer songwriter artist um who's now actually married to darren and so we got in the studio and started a record as well so we're, we've got multiple projects happening there and amazing. not to talk too much but um we also realized with um on Fillmore that we had all of these um unreleased things from over the years that we had or had come out on you know a compilation um uh, maybe, you know, that was a limited release of, of CDs or a 10 inch here or there. So all these things basically that no one had access to digitally. So we, we started at the beginning of the year on Bandcamp, putting up a new album or EP or live thing um, every month. So, so there's a lot of new on film or material too. And That's amazing. I've been continuing my drumbeat project on my website, Instagram, uh, Facebook, where I just, you know, come up with a, uh, a beat a week. I'm, I mean, I'm always writing beats. I've, you know, 25 notebooks right now, usually get through a whole notebook in about a month, month and a half. So I'm writing, you know, ideas come into my head and I just play around. Some are written on the kit, some are written away from the kit, some just drawing different inspirations, but anything that I feel is um, something that I haven't played before, mm -hmm. or original, you know, so I'm not just writing variations on a rock beat or whatever. Um, something that challenges me and will force me to unlock something new in my playing to be able to play it mm -hmm. or in my thought process. Um, and so I post one of the one, I pick one, one of all the beats I'm writing a week and post it. Yes. I love that. I've been following along there and I love that you put the notation and everything and it's just, it's so cool. Yeah. It's been fun. I mean, originally I, I don't even know. Oh, I started it because, um, I recall exactly when I, so, so in 2018, I lived in Finland for the year because my mm -hmm. wife had a Fulbright over there and I got the year off with the band and I was able to just be stay at home dad, um, basically for a year, which was a, you know, a gift, uh, to, to get that time with my family and, you know, be a stranger in a strange land, which I love yeah uh, being an outsider and just absorbing a new culture but sonar sent me a kit there where we were living so i was able to just play and that came right after on the heels i had just finished right before we moved the previous year three concertos that i wrote for percussion for drum set and i was doing a lot of composing before that and some of them were chambers some were string orchestra one was full orchestra so it was just a lot of writing um, and in writing things like, you know, like, okay, what's the second viola part going to be? Or, you know, do the bassoons play here? Not, you, things that weren't um, 
you know, drumming at all. But it was still interesting and fun and challenging. But when I got to Finland, I was like, I want to write something simple now. Uh, <laughs> and what's the simplest thing I can write instead of thinking of all these different parameters and ideas and concepts and who's going to do. And I was like, a beat is like the most micro composition. If you think of it that way, you know what I mean? And, and that's mm -hmm. how I think about it in, in terms of balance and you know, colors and all the different voices, how they react to each other. So thinking of it as a mini comp composition. And so I started writing those beats. Mm. And, and then when I got back, I think two years ago, I started just um, you know, like, oh, I'll just share these, maybe one a week, something I can, you know, that, that won't occupy too much of my time. Right, yeah. And it's, you know, you say how the beat is simple, um, but the way that you play them and the way that you move them around the kit, I, that's what always fascinates me because it's never, it's never uh, vanilla, you know, it's never just, mm. you're never just like playing. No, I shouldn't say never, but it's not often that you're just playing hi-hat snare kind of thing. Like you're, you have this array of percussion instruments on your kit and it's just really cool to see you utilizing those and, you know, hear the sounds that you're using. You could play the beats on hi hat snare, but you're you know you're utilizing all this all these other instruments, which I love. Yeah, yeah. Most of the thought process behind them are are more you know can be done on a simple kit. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's nice to voice them to use different different timbres and and textures just to you know sometimes melody pops out a little bit more that mm -hmm. way. So I do yeah utilize my kit, but that's why I think I include the notations to show that you know, this can easily be transferred to other or fewer surfaces too. Absolutely. Um, and there's yeah. something, at least for me, because I love, you know, I follow, I'm sure you do too, a lot of like drummers on Instagram. And <laughs> I see so much shredding every day that, you know, if I, I have to be careful and like make sure it's uh, inspiring and not discouraging for me because, you know, there's, you just see stuff that's like, oh, I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be able to do that. But I want to I want to put stuff out there, too, that's like, no, you can do this. And here's the thought process behind it. And here's where I had troubles with it. And here's mm -hmm. you know, what what I unlocked in my coordination or independence or thought process um, to be able to execute this and use it as a as a teaching tool um, yes. more than uh, flexing you know, and yes. to flex my drum muscles. <laughs> yes. And I'm right there with you. I do. Yeah. My Instagram is like pretty much all drumming. Um, yeah. I, you know, and in same thing, I scroll through and I, I see things all the time that I think are unattainable. Um, and amazing, it, but yeah. Yeah. Amazing. But for, for me, it might not be my thing, but I do love to see things that I think, oh, I want to try that. I want to check that out. Mm -hmm. That seems like it's incredibly musical. You know, you're you're doing something that is um, it's I mean, I'm, I'm able to grasp it. Drummers can grasp it. But but it's really musical too. everything. You everything you do is always musical. So um, I appreciate that about it. And then I do like that in the description, you do say, you know, what might be tough or what you had trouble with. Um, but the words that you just used where you unlock, you know, it's, it's almost like, like leveling up in a, in an aspect, um, mm -hmm. with music and thinking about your thought process and coming up with these beats. 
unlocking new kind of like creative pathways. That's my favorite thing about music, um, discovering something new, unlocking a new skill, um, you yeah. know, a new creative avenue. No, that's, that's still where I get the rush from it that I did when I was 10. Mm -hmm. so going to bed and, and knowing that I, I learned something and I can play something today that I couldn't yesterday. It's, it's, uh, it's just a very um, gratifying feeling. And just knowing that, that there's some growth happening is, um, I don't know, it's just a positive feeling. But okay. I, had, I had two thoughts because, well, one was that um, I also when over the pandemic wrote a bunch of new solo pieces for, for drum set. Um, and I'll start putting those out too on a YouTube channel or something. But the difference between the beats and that I've noticed is because when you have a lot more going on in a solo piece, like if I'm playing kalimba and doing an ostinato with my right hand or whatever, you're thinking big picture all the time. But mm -hmm. in beats, sometimes I've noticed that I can really hone in repeating something that's just one measure on different aspects and especially the mental aspects. And I'll notice if like, if I concentrate on just the bass drum and, or now I'm just concentrating on how the snare drum and, and, and hi-hat interact, I'll go back and look at it and realize that the beat sounds or feels totally different depending on what I was just thinking about in the beat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, am I thinking about getting my, my right hand more even between these two surfaces or am I thinking about making sure my, my feet are locking in, right? And it's like, you can hear the differences. That's the kind of stuff that's fascinating to me. That, you Absolutely. know, just how I'm processing it in real time is affecting the sound, you know, because that, of course, translates to when I'm playing with the band. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same thing happening, but yeah. Right. And the other thought I had, too, when you were talking about Instagram and all the shredders and stuff, mm -hmm. it, it is um, inspiring for me to see so many, so many different styles, tune so many different types of musicians. Um, and I feel like, you know, yes, it's easily to get discouraged, to be discouraged because, you know, I can imagine as a young player to just be like, I can't do that. Or if I can do that, I'm, it's going to take all of my time mm -hmm. to, to work on that. But then I think when I was a kid, at least there was, you know, drummer DVDs or VHS actually when I was a kid and then yeah. DVDs and it's like, so you basically had like six to 10 titles in any given year to choose from, you know, right. and see, and a lot of the, those that were coming out at the time, I wouldn't say they were too, the spectrum was, was pretty narrow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, the drummers who were putting those out were all of a certain level. were all more of a certain style of music for the most part. Of course, there's yeah. outliers and exceptions, but, but people that were kind of playing the same type of style, the same type of music. And so you kind of get one taste of oh, like this is the highest drumming. This is how you do it. Where now, mm -hmm. at least, even though it can be overwhelming, you can see that wow, this metal guy or this guy's doing weird stuff or this guy's all electronics or whatever or a girl, woman, whatever. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I say guy interchangeably as person, but oh yeah. sure. Um, but but it's like the inspiring thing also is that there are so many different musical personalities and so many you can see so many different ways to approach the instrument. Mm -hmm. that I think you just didn't have access to before unless you had a super extensive uh, record collection or went out to live shows all the time. Right. So I think that's the benefit of it that hopefully, you know, balances some of the, the insanity yeah. of it all. I... You get to see like, okay, there's a voice. You can find your voice. Yes. Yes. I agree with that. 
A hundred percent. I think that, you know, what, what the whole Instagram YouTube generation has taught us is that like, there's no wrong way to be a musician. There are so many avenues for your creativity and you can use, you know, your, you always have an outlet to get your creativity out no matter what you're doing. No. And, and also there's no right. Like you just said, the VHS tapes. And that's how I grew up too. rewinding, you know, Dennis Chambers and watching and um, seeing Sheila E on MTV and just being completely enthralled. That's how, that's what we, we, that's how we saw drums and you'd have to tape it and rewind it, try to get it at the right spot, you know, and it was just such a different world. Um, But we did grow up thinking like, this is the way, and now it's kind of like there are so many ways. There are so many ways to to be a musician, to be a drummer, to be yeah. a percussionist. Um, you know, so yeah, you're right. And I think it I think it shows um, kids coming up playing um, or anyone of any age starting out that you can do you can do it. You can make your own place. Um, and we see the creativity. Like I think of you as an incredibly unique player. And it's really funny. I have to tell you, your name comes up in this podcast all the time. Really? And I, I know I, mean, I, I, watch it, but I haven't seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I'll make a compilation of Glenn Kochi references <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> Only the positive ones, please. Oh, they're all positive, <laughs> of course. But you know, you're, you're, um, you are a player who is revered by other drummers because you're just, you're so unique. What you do is really incredible. And it's, it's so much appreciated by, by everyone. So your name comes up all the time. And That's I keep saying, way. wow, we're going to, we're going to get that interview happening. I'm so happy we're doing it today. No, me too. Thank you. That's, that's humbling. I'll, Absolutely. I'll walking around an inch taller today. <laughs> Good. You should. <laughs> you absolutely should. Um, and so I kind of want to like go back a little bit and talk about how you started playing. And if you, when you started as a kid, cause I know you were young when you started playing, but um, if you were always, if you always had that creativity aspect, if you always had it um, something in the back of your head that said, play this, this way, or you had a, I don't know what it is, like just a creative vein happening. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I think yes and no mm-hmm. for that. So, you know, starting out, I, you know, was like most people in a band program. You know, I mean, I had toy drums when I was little and I mm-hmm. thought like, I'm a drummer from like age three. Right. And yes. then always. So as soon as I could start taking drum lessons at school and my parents signed me up at the local music store, Roselle Music. And um and so I started taking lessons and basically was just, you know, found something that I was good at and that I loved doing. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a positive reinforcement feedback loop after that when I realized like, oh, I can, you know, I got a, a perfect score at solo contest. That was like, okay, now I want to, you know, get a perfect score next year and drum set solo, snare drum solo and a bell solo. And mm-hmm. like, you know, or I want to learn how to do this. And just having five older siblings uh, listening to a lot of music, wanting to be in a rock band. So I started, you know, playing in rock bands in, in grade school, junior high. Um, and so I was always, you know, voracious about doing everything and anything. Um, involved in drumming you know whether that was 
you know, I mean, this went on through college and high school, whether it's musicals, marching band, you know, playing, playing percussion behind the choir or, you know, anything and everything mm -hmm. um, I got involved in. And I think that definitely helped broaden my um, viewpoint of what is drum set, what is percussion and viewing it more as a percussion, multiple percussion instrument, um, especially I think playing a lot of different musicals and then studying with Jim Campbell in college who had that kind of philosophy and approach mm -hmm. um, marching vein and just in, in our percussion studio. But I, I do remember one, you know, an early memory. I've always written music. Like I remember as soon as I was able to, to, to um, play a handful of drum beats, writing like stringing them together into a solo that I memorized and would play, you know what I mean? But I do remember like maybe fifth or sixth grade at a drum lesson and the teacher like putting up the book of rock, you know, uh, it was actually Keith Wright Kelt and I was playing out of his books that he wrote, which were great. Um, and he's like, okay, play down the page. And I remember writing on the floor, Tom, instead of the hi-hat or the cymbal and him going, whoa, that's, well, yeah, go ahead, do it. Why not? You know, that's yeah. kind of, you know, that's not what it says, but just being like, well, what's the difference? You know what I mean? But then also, and I know like in high school, definitely stretching out with my rock band for overdubs, you know, on our four track, we'd be recording song songs and I would definitely try some different things. Like I remember scraping cowbells and wind chimes on the floor for an overdub or something. So trying different things, but I don't think I really tapped into any creativity until later. Cause I would mm -hmm. see it in some of my friends and some other drummers I knew. And I'd be like, how do they come up with those parts that are so cool or that idea? It's so inspiring. And I think the secret is just doing it and getting in the practice in, you know, I've read extensively about different composers or artists and their working style. And, you know, um, you know, recently Jeff from my band even wrote a book on it. Um, and it's just, I think the secret is you just do it. Mm -hmm. practice of doing it and then it just comes naturally so that's that's what i think i started to do is just make sure i'm always exploring sounds and creating always write always writing always thinking about that and the more you do it the more it comes to you and it's not always great sometimes it's you you hit sometimes you miss mm -hmm. um, but uh yeah but i think it's just that being in the practice in the mentality of always being open and always creating and then the ideas come to you. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like that. And I just have to, I just have to shout out to Jim Campbell because what an amazing educator. And I, I, um, I know him through PAS and the PASIC conventions and mm -hmm. just always was like, I wish I studied with him because he's so beloved, you know? Yeah. No, it was a great vibe, a very familial vibe in his studio. Mm -hmm. But I'm so glad I went there because, you know, I had a few different options, um, you know, from more conservatory structured programs to mm -hmm. more jazz oriented programs. Um, but what with him, ultimately, I was marching Cavaliers at the time, which he was involved with. But, you know, went with him, just something about him personally mm -hmm. that drew me there. But then being there and realizing that my the education I got was a lot more broad mm -hmm. um, than I would have at other places. My, I was exposed to a lot of different things and he would bring in a lot of different people. And I just had a lot of options and his Absolutely. mentality and his example of continually growing and tying in different things, you know, cross disciplinary or even within percussion or outside of percussion. 
um, was just an example that, you know, kind of informed the way I've approached the instrument since then. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I can, t I can definitely see that for sure. Um, and I, the, the, I just want to touch on the other thing too, or when you were talking about, you know, riding on the floor, Tom, or just using different sounds, experimenting with different things. It's funny because in this podcast, I haven't really been delving into equipment, gear, all of that, because I did so much of that in, yeah. um, in my former life. But with you, it's like, we have to, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about this because I loved getting to work with you on cymbal sounds and accessories and things like that over the years. Yeah. Um, always, you are always pushing the boundaries of things and coming up with new ways to use things that were, had been created for other purposes, which I love so much. Mm -hmm. And every time I see a video that you post, I notice something new, something different, something being repurposed. Um, and it reminds me of the first time I saw you do a clinic, which was actually at a PASIC and you had your, um, wire fruit basket. Yes. Yeah. And I was just like, but before you played the clinic, I thought, what is that up there? It was hanging and this was a wedding gift, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, you know, and I have to attribute a lot of that, um, that aspect of the of I guess creativity coming from things that I was exposed to in college, like particularly you know even in, in marching percussion, but especially like in percussion ensemble, mm -hmm. using extended techniques or non-traditional methods to get sounds. You know what I mean? Even if it's something as simple as you know scraping a cup on a tam tam or a gong or you know bowing crotales or whatever, right. you know basic things. But but exploring how to get different sounds out of the instrument than maybe you would normally play them. But mostly I think after I graduated college, I, I got deep into the improvised music scene in Chicago um, through my friends, Jim O'Rourke, through Darren Gray, my friend, Tim Barnes. And I got really into that and started playing with a lot of wonderful players here. And that whole scene is like rhythm is not on the table. It's all about sound. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started to really explore. And, you know, I was building contact mics out of, discs and putting them on the drums and then running that through guitar pedals and putting springs and wires through the heads so I could get different things that, oh, this actually kind of sounds like a saxophone squealing if I rub it with rosin on my fingers that I have over here from the bow or yeah. beeswax to keep my sticks from falling out of my hand when I'd be playing rock gigs if I sweat too much. But then I realized if you rub it on this wire or whatever, it sounds like a whale or a moan or something, you know, just mm -hmm. different sounds and, oh, I can loop it and run it backwards, drop it down an octave. And I can make all these little sounds that don't sound anything like drums or percussion and sound like just another voice in the ensemble. Um, I can do that. So I think I, though seeing some of those players, you know, and I've name checked them before, but like Paul, Paul Litton, Paul Lovins, you know, um, Eddie Prevos, just, you know, there's a, a whole crop of really great European improvisers that were deep into sound exploration. And then, you know, generations after that, of course, of people I listened to, but that kind of gave me the, the green light or the assurance that, no, this is something that's worth going down this, this, this road, because yeah. you're going to stumble upon some cool stuff. Um, and yeah, so I'm still always exploring sounds like that. But the fruit basket was a wedding present. It was just a fruit basket. Yeah, let's see. 
where is it hanging on my ceiling? Oh, there we go. Can you see it? <laughs> I where see it? it. I do see it. I love I that. See it in my camera. But anyway, you see it. Okay. And I have a yeah. bunch of backups that I found that are similar. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's just like, it doesn't sound very good, but then it was like, it's kind of a coil. So I hung it up, you know, from a rubber band on a contact mic and took mm -hmm. off all the, and it sounded basically like a, a nice portable Tam Tam. But, Incredible. you know, from that, I, I was able to use all those sounds as compositional tools too, like for that piece, the monkey chant I wrote back then, which is probably where you, what you saw me at pace. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's, it's always worked out when I first joined Wilco, you know, that's what I, I just gave. Um, I was just thinking about this. I just gave some interviews because it's the 20th anniversary of the record. My first record that I played on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Wow. Um, and some of the sounds on that, you know, I remember I was just bringing in encouraged to do whatever. So we were playing, you know, I was playing super ball mallets on piano strings and hubcaps through um, distortion pedals and, you know, ceramic tiles with mallets. And it's all over that record, but it was like kind of melding in and realizing like, no, this isn't just for, you know, the improvised music shows and in, in a basement with 20 people there, it can be mm -hmm. over here too, you know, and, yes. and get some fresh sounds that might, I don't know, might make people be like, what's that? And listen closer to the lyrics or, you know, just might Absolutely. be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It can be more like, like mainstream, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, everything we play at one time was, was, a. how does this sound if I do this? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. It's all, it's all an experiment until it works and then, you know, right. you utilize it, um, in a, in a special way. And I, I think about all the time. I remember years back when you, um, did the, the, uh, Delta faucet commercial. Yeah. Um, the touch faucets. And I think about that all the time. That was one of the coolest things ever. And of course, to see you on TV and in that commercial. And but I, I remember you telling me about it before it came out. And I was like, who more perfect to do this commercial than you, first of all. Um, and then, you know, the the way that you were getting the tones, because you were it was um, what song? It was I'll Be There, maybe. Yeah, I'll Be, I'll be there. there. Okay. Um, and the, just util, utilizing the sound of the water on the pots to, to make the tones. I was just like, this is genius. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, it wasn't my idea. It was my, my, um, uh, good friend, Gabe McDonough, who was at an ad agency in town. And he was like, is something like this pause? They have this touch in there thinking like it's a fine instrument. Can you play it as an instrument? And I was like, you know, yes, you know, John Cage, <laughs> there's, there's video footage of him from the forties doing that. Like, you know, mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so for that, I actually went down to their showroom with these things and just brought all sorts of glasses and pots and metal and symbols and everything. And we basically just like recorded them. And then I realized, okay, this is basically an E flat or this is kind of a G um, my engineer, Pat Burns and I, and then, and then it was like, these are the pitches I need. I've got them. Okay. And then assembled it. But then, um, they, for the filming, that was separate. And then they, originally I was just doing the music mm -hmm. uh, for the filming. They, I think they realized an actor is not going to be able to pull this off. Right. And, or, or a regular drummer. It's got to be like someone who's, who's had maybe some experience in like classical or percussion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll find that commercial and I'll link it in the description. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. that anyone listening can check it out. Cause it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't want to repeat myself, but the thing that that 
I remember so clearly about it, and I've said this before, was like the things that I didn't realize I would need to use for that because it's touch on and off. So I'm like, oh, I'm remembering, you know, uh, playing Gamelon stuff or particularly a Michael Udow excerpt from his multiple percussion book that's on vibes where you're, you know, you're playing a vibe note, dampening it. And it's all like about, you know, or timpani, how you have to dampen it as soon as you play it. So it's like sounding sound off that sort of thing. And then mm-hmm. all the drum and bugle core coming in where it's like to make it over there to that faucet, I have to position my feet this way and my shoulders. So it's like thinking ahead of like, not just what you're playing, but where am I looking? Where is my body positioned for the next move? Mm-hmm. So kind of more the core choreographical. Um, yeah. of it. So it was cool that it was like, here I am doing this weird commercial, but I'm drawing from having played in percussion ensemble and drum and bugle corps and you yes. know, all these different, um, you know, multiple percussion and drawing on all those different aspects for this. It all came together. Yeah, it all it, God, I did that stuff. <laughs> and and also for like all percussionists, all drummers who tap and bang on anything in yeah. the vicinity, and like the kitchen is is a um, a wealth of things yeah. that make great noises, toasters, and all that stuff. Um, right, and drive like the rest of our families crazy because we're always banging and tapping on things but so like for everyone to see that commercial and and see like you making music from the it was just super cool yeah i feel like i buy as much gear in hardware stores as i do in music music store (laughs) i bet that is true i like i said every time you post a new video i'm like what is that what is that what in fact i have to ask you um you have a um kind of like a mobile small mobile kind of thing with it looks like blue translucent i don't know if it's plastic or glass hanging down from an orange um i'm i'm not sure (laughs) something is uh right above like your first tom in some videos okay some videos i'm wondering those might just be some um dragonfly percussion um, glass chimes. Okay, I bet that's what it is. I wasn't what sure is, if it was glass it's, it's or. A second, I can probably locate them <laughs> in the chime collection, right? Show you, yes. In yes. the life crisis, um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Would it look like this? And sometimes I hang these down. That's it. That is it, right there. Okay, yeah. Yes. These are dragonfly percussion um, glass chimes. Amazing. Yeah. I've got a couple sets of those. And if I can locate them, the quietest chimes I own um, are just made of razor blades that he would use to make the stuff. I don't see them right now. They might be at the Wilco space. But anyway. Um, he just posted a picture once of, of uh, razor blades from making percussion instruments. And I was like, how do those sound? And what so I was say? lucky enough to, to get a set of those, but they're super quiet. It's just little razor blades. That's really so, better. it's so funny. I ask that question all the time. What does that sound like? All yeah, the time. All, um, I don't know if you have a, a set of these, but key chimes, like literally keys hung. Um, 
I bet you do somewhere in there in the chime I, collection. I bought these. Can you see them? Yep, yep. Yeah. I found these in Brazil several years ago. So good. Real, maybe it was Sao Paulo. I'm not sure, but it was beautiful. Yeah. So nice. It's such a nice sound, you know, and it's one of those things you wouldn't think a bunch of keys hanging like, you know, jingling together would be so soothing. <laughs> yeah, I use those uh, in a few of those solo pieces that I'll be posting that I've mentioned. Oh, very cool. All right, I'm going to look out for those. And, and you know, I think it's really interesting, too. A lot of companies now, a lot of like the smaller accessories companies are coming out with these things that um, a lot of times you probably had to make yourself. And I see yeah. some of the things like on your hi-hats. Um, and I don't want to get the name of the company wrong, but the the company that's making like it's not Scrabble pieces, but it's yeah. the upcycled percussion upcycled yes yeah. okay so i've got yeah here these actually are scrabble pieces and milk tops and yes tips and i mean they've just got endless yeah these things yeah it's so good um but so many cool sounds which is like yes i've made a lot of those things in the past myself or, you know, different types of metal percussion. But now it's like, oh, upcycled makes that or creative percussion makes that. Or, you know, yes. now even some of the, you know, mono, oh, that sound cool. I, you know, like I only used to be able to find these things at a drum shop, you know, at, uh, at um, I think Keplinger used to make them. And I have some of the Keplinger ones, but, you know, this is a foam one. And, and I only used to be able to find them at Revival in Portland. Um, right. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's it's great that yes, there's a lot. This didn't exist when we were young, you know. Yeah, mean? exactly. Companies, and they only kind of put out what would sell. And some of the more strange percussion would just, you know, if it didn't sell or there wasn't a call for it anymore. All the traps that used to exist in the 20s and 30s, if you've ever mm -hmm. looked back at old catalogs, mm -hmm. um, there's just so many amazing sounds available. And then that kind of went away, but now it's yes. because there's so many smaller companies just doing their own thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, Groovax, the company that I'm working with, with, yeah. um, with Russ Miller is so much just like that. You know, Russ is a sound guy and if it makes sense and it's something that is necessary in, in the world of percussion, it's like, let's go for it. Let's, Let's make it. So I'm. I love yeah. the stuff that we're working on there. And yeah. for me, who always asks the question, like, "Ooh, what does that sound like?" or "Can we do that?" Um, it's exciting. I love that stuff too. It is, yeah. Because like even like with wood percussion, like there's that you know company Keo and Index and Swan it, for different shakers and wood percussion. Like that stuff, you know, you may think it's just like, "Oh, here's something," but you can use use them in a way where it sounds sounds like something that maybe you would have messed with in a studio for a very long mm -hmm. time to get that sound but really it just might be you know me hitting um a brush on this i think this is yeah this is keel so just hitting you know a brush or some sort of weird you know that combined with a snare drum and it gets an interesting sound or um, mm -hmm. You know, here's well, yeah, I could I could go through my whole thing. There's <laughs> so many um 
you know, incredible little sounds that you can, they sound like they're processed. If you combine them with a snare sound or a floor tom sound or whatever, you just yes. get a, a unique sound. And as long as we're on this, I have to mention one more. Drum G's. I don't know if you've checked those out. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I saw you using, yes. I love that. These are great. And they're just bungees that you can put. And these are just clipped on, you know, if you can put any sound on here. Mm -hmm. Or just use them to hold down a cymbal or whatever. But they just clip yeah. on the rims. It's like, how did I not think about that? That so, makes so much more sense than all the gaff tape. I would just like right. all over my drums. But yeah. <laughs> I know. And it's like, you know, they're, they're little simple things that are so helpful. Yeah. And I love that. That's what I mean about this comp these companies coming out with this stuff. I, I, the last NAM that I was at, so uh, 2020 NAM, um, there were uh, so many companies like that. And I got a chance to walk around for a little bit when I wasn't on the booth. Um, and just seeing all these little things that were happening, all of these accessories, yeah. super, super cool. This Ackles you know. is the company that comes up with super cool stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Apply. There's just so many. Yeah. I hope they all survive. I hope there's enough demand for those sounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I think there is, I think, um, some of these small companies have <clears throat> a, a little bit of an advantage because a lot of the, um, a lot of the the rules and structure of the industry are kind of thrown out the window anyway. Oh, right. um, and a lot of those companies establish themselves with online sales to begin with. So, uh, you know, through the pandemic, a, a lot of those companies were able to really um, keep selling and and keep shipping. Um, don't don't have a lot of overhead. So I, I agree. Fingers crossed. Everyone makes it through this this whole you know, time period on a distribution deal necessarily so yeah right exactly yeah because we need this stuff we need this stuff to continue coming mm -hmm. out and you know foster the creativity um and you know we've talked about these you, like you said you spend more time at the hardware store than the than the drum <laughs> than the drum shop but but there's another aspect to your playing too with the electronics that i found i i find totally fascinating um and i think is it the sunhouse triggers that you use yeah well, the, which is incredible yeah, um sensory percussion through sunhouse i mean and there's i'm just still scratching the surface on it but it is you know we did a great display at the last um wilco festival the last solid sound festival that we have every other year at mass mocha mm -hmm. in north adams massachusetts and um Tilakael came out and we had a kit set up so people could experience it to where not only was it doing the sounds, but it was triggering video images. Oh, cool. The festival as well. So people were able to sit down and play a beat and maybe it was chords or synth sounds or, you know, strange process sounds or drum sounds and also trigger the video to go with it. And, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people, um, you know, Ian Chang comes to mind at Greg Fox. We're just using it really brilliant ways with video and lights and mm -hmm. ultimately what I want to do with it. Um, and it somehow I still haven't found the, the time, but maybe <laughs> my kids are older, but I, I am using it. And that's one of the, um, a couple of the videos that I, I keep mentioning that I will release uses that to where I've been able to get my, um, you know, it's the kid is all on block and sounds and I'm able to do some pieces before that I wasn't able to do before because I'm able to, you know, it can be anything. I, mm -hmm. The last clinic I did at the uh, Chicago Drum Show, I was I was triggering um, through sensory percussion. I was triggering samples of like 
you know, Ringo, Bonham, Neil Peart, you know, uh, in playing playing beats with their samples or voices. Oh, that's cool. It's just, it opens everything up. Um, yeah. So I still use the SPD as well just to get, you know, sounds that are I need to hit right there. Um, but, yeah, a combination of all those. It's just limitless. That's so great. Yeah. Um, and I, I did have a question for you. I didn't want to forget to ask about your inspiration. So you come up with these beats and you come, you compose and you think about different sounds and um, what, what, uh, where does that come from? Like, I know, I know for me, I have, there's like late at night is, is a time that my brain starts being creative. Um, do you find yourself in a situation like do you dream about this stuff? Like, how does that work for you? It's kind of just, like I said, I'm so in the practice of doing it now that it happens whenever. And I think, you know, sometimes my kids and wife are like, really like right now we're watching this <laughs> TV show and you, and you have to write this thing down or make a note, but it's like, it is, it's bad enough now where I like my jackets all have little, pieces of paper in them or, or a pen or my, you know, in my car. Cause a lot of times I'll be driving and just like thinking or like, you know, it can be, it can be anything. Sometimes I do wake up with a beat in my head and I write it down, but mm -hmm. oftentimes something else and it can be as bizarre is the way the sunlight's hitting the lake at our, you know, that I'm looking at, uh, at a place in Wisconsin and wondering like something about that or hearing, hearing a tune and being like, Oh, that's a really cool beat. If mm -hmm. I were the drummer on this, how would I play that? Or I wonder if I could do that, but instead, you know, shift everything over or, you know, there's just, there's so many possibilities. So it's kind of, they're always there when I want to. And I realize when I'm busy, sometimes I'll go a couple of days without writing just because my mind's on other things. But then, you know, if I'm taxiing the kids around a lot or waiting mm -hmm. while once at archery or, you know, or at a, you know, music lesson or something like that, then, and if I have that time where my mind is, less busy it's like boom 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 you know i might rattle off eight or nine so it's yeah it's just kind of all over the place mm -hmm. but there's you know you get inspiration from anything right you can't yeah. I, I like the thought of like the sunlight hitting hitting the lake and inspiring inspiring yeah, this cooking dinner it's like oh like oh these yeah these flavors go together i wonder you know, like what if that was a bass drum what would this flavor be or mm -hmm. how you combine them or i don't know i love that I love it. And are you um, finding inspiration from other drummers and musicians out there now? Is there anyone that you're listening to or seeing that you're like, okay, that, that person right there, like someone, someone we might not know about. Oh, unknown players. I'm not sure. I mean, I always, almost everyone, I get some sort of inspiration from, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, there's so many great drummers out there and, you know, some of my, you know, friends who I always, every time I see them, I'm just like, oh, you know, like, you know, the Joe Russo's and, and Jason McGurr's and, and Eric Slick's that are just like, every time I see him play, I'm just like, oh, it's just perfection. Yes. But yeah, there's, um, you know, some other, and of course I'm going to be forgetting a lot of people, but yeah, some other drum, I, you know, who I see on Instagram and every time I'm just like, that's perfect. Brooks Wackerman. And oh, I don't yeah. know him at all or anything like that, but I see his playing. I'm just like, that's perfect. Um, but there's also some other, you know, Great, this guy, um, Marcus Reich uh, from Germany. Every time I see him play, he's playing quiet stuff because he's got kids and he seems like he's in an apartment. He, he's just so creative. Um, Art Dubois, like a lot of a lot of just interesting players out there. 
Mm -hmm. I always say Chris Corsano, even though he should be a, a household name. You know, he played with York, but he's more of an improvised drummer. Mm -hmm. um, and for some reason, he still flies beneath the radar a little bit. But his, I mean, he's one of the finest drummers who's ever lived. Just, just in sheer how his physicality of it and how he can get that much sound. Um, you know, when he's going for it, it sounds like three or four drummers playing at once. And you're just amazed, like, oh, how can you get wow. like playing the every voice on the kit at once somehow? You know what I mean? Like it's so yeah. sound when he gets in that zone. Um, but yeah, there's just so many. And then of course music, it's got so much, you know, I'm yes. been, I've been really digging. Well, Faye Webster just opened for us on our last tour. That was super cool stuff. I've been digging her and the new low record is really, really inspiring to me too. Um, I mean, awesome. it's just endless. Yeah. We could take an hour to talk about that. I know, I know. And I, I, I asked this question just to like for myself and for anyone listening who wants to discover, you know, something that maybe they haven't checked out. Um, so those are, those are great suggestions. I agree with yeah. you. There's been so much new music lately. Yeah. Check out the third coast percussion records too. Those they're always putting out great records with really, um, disparate collaborators. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Third coast for sure. Yeah. Um, again, discovery through PAS and, and PASIC, which, yeah. um, which I always love. Um, but that's great. That's fantastic. And I don't want to forget to ask, you, you know, you said you have some new videos coming out, which I cannot wait to see. And you mentioned some like triggering things and that should be super interesting. And what else is on the horizon for you? So, yeah, I'll be releasing all of those. And then, um, I guess I'm continuing. I'm up to beat 100 this week. So I need to figure that one out. Yay. <laughs> that project um, for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and let's see, Wilco, we have our, our Mexico festival in January. Yes. And then we'll be finishing up our record recording at least in by spring, I think. And then we're hitting the road again. We're in Europe in June. Our festival's in May. Um, we'll be doing more touring in the States, um, in the summer. Um, and then those on Fillmore records should be, I'll be finishing one up, but the other one should be out sometime then, uh, next year, early next year. Um, and what else? I don't know. You know, that's a lot <laughs> work there and there most yeah. of the people these days, but, um, I know there's probably, Oh yeah. I'm continuing to work with the dance company. I work with eight, nine dance out of Los Angeles. Um, Danielle Agami is the creative director, the choreographer, and we've done um, a handful of collaborations in the past, and that's always super rewarding for me because mm -hmm. you know it's it's sound in motion, and what they're doing is is motion with sound, and it's like it's a really interesting collaboration that I I get to stretch out on. So I've been working on a piece um, lately for them that's very different from anything I've done previously. Um, you know, actually writing all the rhythms and the music from um, chants and crowd noise mm. and protests and things like that. So wow, that and then drawing from it. Um, yeah, so that's always that sounds, a collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds very cool. And, and when will that be out? I'm not sure. I think that actually might be part of a, uh, so it's a live piece that they do, but I think that's going to be a film. Um, so I think, you know, we're just trying to finish it by the end of the year. 
Very um, cool. It's a short film from eight nine, which is A T E slash nine. Um, yeah, and so that's that's always a good uh, a good source for interesting collaborations. You know, right? Absolutely. With her was with um, her and myself and John Hamm, the actor, and it was a. Uh, the three of us on stage. So she was dancing and he was doing monologues about this character, the dancer, and I was using sensory percussion and doing all the music live on stage. Um, so that was always, you know, really challenging too. And yeah, it's just always good stuff to keep me growing. Uh, there's always something new. I feel like every time we talk, you tell me about something like totally different and unique that you're working on. And that's, it's just so cool. Do um, I have problems? No. What was that? Do I have attention problems? I wonder. No, no, in like the best way. Like you said, it to grow, right? You're doing new yeah. things and like growing in in new directions. And I'm always fascinated by whatever it is that you're that you have going on. Um, but I'll put yeah. some links uh, in the description so that anyone listening or watching can follow you and everything that you're that you're doing and see all of these cool projects too. Thank you. Yeah. Cause sometimes it's, you know, I, I question sometimes like what, why do I do this excursion? And it seems like it's something that happens and then it's gone away. You know, like when I collaborated with radio lab on their tour or like, you know, doing things with the orchestra stream quartet or dance company, whatever. But then mm -hmm. you realize as you get away from it and maybe a few years pass, there's a tie in with, with this and different things that I got from that or this tie into what I'm currently doing. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah, and, and it always X solo record too, but and that's what that's where I'm getting with this. A lot of that stuff is coming. I realize it wasn't an isolated experience. It was just groundwork for what I'm doing right now. Absolutely, yeah, and it all and it all comes back and and you know comes into who you are as a as a musician. And I I always say it's it's really similar to like traveling because you go away and you come back with this whole new perspective on the world or a whole new like vision of where your place is in the grand scheme yeah. of things. And I think musically it's a similar situation, you know, you're traveling outside of the norm into some other thing and, and but you end up bringing a part of that back with you. Like you're changed forever. Right. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love that. And, and I can't wait to see all of this, all of this content and, you know, the, hear the music and um, yeah, I'm excited for you. This all sounds amazing. Thanks. And I'm, I'm yeah, I'm so glad you're doing this and, and you're busy as ever. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. New, new, nice avenues opening for you. This is, yeah, it's great. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been, it's been quite a year, I think for us all or, year yeah. and a half, almost two years of transition and new things and new ways of doing things. And I think, um, you know, it's also allowed a lot of growth. So it's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Glenn. Thanks for coming Thanks. on today. It was amazing. <laughs> no, it was amazing to catch up with you and hear all of this. And, you know, again, I just look forward to um, all of the things coming up and, and to seeing you again in person soon. Yes. Yeah, hopefully so. Absolutely. All right. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.